Today, Alex McCaw and I interview Wade Foster, CEO of Zapier, who explains to us how to do remote right. Zapier has been remote since its inception in 2011 when it went through YC. The company now has over 300 employees. So Zapier's CEO, Wade Foster, knows a thing or two about how to run an all-remote company effectively. Therefore, welcome, Wade. Thanks for joining us today. Wade, the entire world has suddenly gone remote, and many CEOs are feeling lost in how to run their companies effectively. You've created this great guide, The Ultimate Guide to Remote Work, which we've linked below, uh, which is a wiki for best practices. But it's, there's a lot of info there, and it takes a long time to go through it fully. So, Wade, would you be willing to, right off the bat, share with us what are the three most important things from that list that are the, also the least obvious to do? Yeah, I think um, a few things. So, um, ooh, the least obvious one is the tricky thing. Uh, I think there is a really the first one I would I would cite is how you define values in your culture is really important. A lot of companies do this, so a lot of companies define values. That's not the sort of like uh, you know unexpected part of it. But I think the way that you bake them into how the company runs is a perhaps unique. So when we set out probably about 10 people and started to think about scaling, one of the things we asked ourselves is what makes somebody successful at Zapier, period. And certainly implied in that is they got to work remotely. Like how do they work inside an organization that doesn't have an office? But it was more broad about just how are they successful at a company like ours? Came from a whole list of stuff, traits, competencies, what have you, that are very pretty generic. You know, we weren't trying to say like this is what makes a good engineer. We were just trying to say what makes someone good at this company. Uh, so they were meant to be somewhat, you know, across role, in, like agnostic of role. And there's a big long list, and we sort of narrowed it down to roughly five things that were fairly opinionated. It's you know there it would it would be reasonable to take the opposing stance. So, for example, you know, one of ours is default to action. We felt like that was really important in a remote organization because you don't have somebody who is sitting next to you, can see that you're stuck. And so it was really important for us to have folks who are self-starters, independently curious, and willing to dive in and just, like, go solve a problem. Now, it's possible that you could take the opposite viewpoint of that. I think if you look at a company like Apple, for example... They have a culture that's very much oriented more towards perfection. Like they really want things to be done very well and very high quality. I think they would look at a default to action thing and say, whoa, that's that's a little too chaotic. We're going to ship, you know, products that are flawed in some way because of that and be very successful versus you counter it with, say, like Amazon, which I think is done is maybe more oriented our direction. So it's, the values have that sort of stance that it's like you could say the other way and probably still create a good company. Um, and so we enumerated five of those. But then the key thing that I think we did is we baked it into the interview process. So as part of the hiring, we have um, questions that try and assess, do people like have these skill sets? Do they have these competencies? Do they share these values with us? And then we baked it into the performance reviews of the company. So every six months, you get reviewed against these things. Now, that is our really great start, but then what started to happen is it became more than just that. Like, over time, it became a thing that not 
just me, I was articulating saying why these were important, but it became things that others in the company cared a lot about and would also start to call me out on certain mm. things. Like we have one that's default to transparency. And if they felt like I wasn't being transparent, you can bet I hear about it. If they feel like I'm, you know, not doing, taking feedback well, I hear about it. So like that I think is when the values really become critical. And I think in a remote organization, it's hard to develop those things if you don't approach it with intentionality. You sort of just become, you know, uh, you know, this, this odd collection of just individuals doing random assignments and work. And you really don't want that. In a company, you want people to feel like they're on a shared sense of purpose, shared sense of mission, shared sense of alignment. And the values for me have been one thing that have been really important in creating that. Can you give us uh, some examples of how you uh, actually interview someone for being a self-starter? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, a great question is, hey, tell me about a time when you spotted a problem at your last job and what did you do about it? So you can hear and tell me about a time is really just a great variant of a question. You can apply this to almost any type of thing you're trying to evaluate against. Uh, a sort of poor answer might be, hey, well, I spotted this bug and I escalated it to the proper channels and, you know, that was that. You know, it's that's sort of like the bare minimum amount of work you can put in. It's not bad that you did that. It's just you really didn't do much beyond. You didn't try and solve it in any sort of way. Uh, versus like maybe a good answer would be like, well, I spotted this bug. I wrote a quick fix and like committed that to the repo or something like that and informed the team that they should take a look at it. That's better. Another one might be like, well, I spotted the bug. I realized that it was impacting other, it was like prevalent in other parts of the code base. And so I created a module that can replace all of these different things. That's even better. Like even then, like you could go even further and say like, I not only did that, but then I created, like, I wrote up a, a thing and sh did a, like, talk with all the engineers to help them understand, like, how to deal with this type of situation. So you can sort of see, like, escalating degrees of um, someone, like, taking ownership of a problem there. And so those are the types of things that you're just trying to get that nuance is, like, when you look at these situations, how far does a person go? How far do they try and push it? Um, and, and when they sort of uncover a thing that seems worth working on. I mean, that makes total sense. Um, we, we actually have the same company value, uh, which is being a self-starter. And I think it's mm -hmm. particularly important in remote environments, waiting for permission. Uh, you'll probably wait quite a while in a remote environment. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that is, that's one value that lends itself pretty well to it. But when you say um, people uh, call you out, so this is something <laughs> that um, I'm interested in because I found it very difficult to elicit feedback uh, from the rest of the company. Ah, yes. And, mm -hmm. um, and we, have, we have a feedback-driven culture. We try to have bi-directional feedback at Clearbit. Um, what we found is that although managers are, are fairly good at giving feedback to their reports, we don't get many situations where the reports are comfortable giving it to the, feedback, uh, to the manager. Yeah. And I have maybe three or four people at the company that are willing to like, sit me down and give me brutal raw feedback um, but it's few and far between and as the company's grown it's become fewer fewer and fewer people and we found like one of the one of the ways that we've actually managed to elicit this feedback and get people to call you out is via anonymous feedback and I'm wondering if what your, your what your feedback system is and if you have anything similar 
Yeah. So we have one of our values is growth through feedback. And so it's baked into the value. So we, uh, that's an important part of it. And so when you join Zapier, we have a whole onboarding program. But one of them is we teach a course on how to get feedback. And I actually am the one that teach the course. So, you know, every two weeks, I do an hour-long session, run through people the basics of feedback. And I think that sets a really good foundation for folks that shows, hey, I care a lot about this. So much so that I'm the one that's teaching this course in a company of 300 people. And it shows right away, you can give feedback to me. And if you can give feedback to me, you should be willing to give feedback to anyone. Now, that doesn't make it easy. Um, and in fact, you know, I still have the same problems that you have, that there's not many people in the company that will give me unabashed raw feedback, you know, brutally. But it has gotten better when, once I started doing that. And then you also, we've also implemented just other opportunities for folks to share. So, you know, we have the employee reviews that are uh, the employee survey that goes out, employee engagement survey that we use with CultureAmp goes out twice a, a year. We do 360 feedback um, twice a year. Uh, so we have these different programs that sort of try and elicit. Well, it's still tough. Like it's just uncomfortable for folks to give feedback to the CEO because ultimately, you know, their view of you is that you hold their fate in their hands and they don't really want to jeopardize that. And that's a, I can understand that. I understand that fear. And so I do a few things. One is I just try to diminish the fear every chance I get. So if someone gives me feedback, my first reaction is thank you. And I don't say, I, I don't try and, you know, debate them or convince them that they're wrong or anything like that. It's just thank you out the get go. The other thing that I think I try and do is to get better feedback is I usually try not to ask feedback for my performance. How do you think I'm doing on the job? No one has feedback about that. They don't understand my job. They don't really want to talk about it in that way. But you can ask for other types of feedback on things that have happened in the company where you know, like, hey, I play a big role in this. So you can look at things and say, hey, how could we have done 2x better on this project? How could we make our culture two times more effective? How can we do things like that? And all of a sudden, the feedback gets very specific and very, you know, and it's not saying, oh, Wade, that's your fault that this is the way that it is. But you know that it is because who else would own that stuff? Like, of course, it's your fault that those things aren't working as well as it is. So if you sort of ask questions in a more indirect way, you tend to get, I think, the more the feedback that's a little more rich that you're looking for. And I love that. That's so smart. You know, one of the things that we do at Clearbit is at our leadership offsites, we do, I guess, 180 feedback where every executive gives feedback to every other executive and we write it down in the Google Doc. And mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty raw. It's, I mean, that's kind of the deal if you're on the exec team. And then what we do is we publish that document to the rest mm. of the company. And, um, and I, especially I will publish all the critical feedback that people give me and then I, and then I can really demonstrate, hey, actually, I view this as a gift. And this is important. Yeah part of learning. So I think feedback is definitely an important part of the, of making remote work. Um, and also having like a set feedback time. I don't know if you have, um, a scheduled time for doing feedback, like a regular routine every week, maybe every one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but we found that pretty helpful as well. Mm, yeah. I love the, uh, I love the, the, the publishing, the transparency around yours. I think that's that's kind of stuff goes a long way to show, just demonstrate that like, hey, I'm open to this. And I think one of the beautiful things about feedback 
Feedback's about the future. It's about helping you be successful. It's about helping you win. And so the best thing that you can do for yourself, whether you're a CEO or not, is show that you're a person who likes to get feedback and is good at getting feedback. Because if you can show that and prove that to others, all of a sudden they become way more likely to give it to you. Uh, I noticed this myself, like with the people that I work with day to day, the ones who take feedback really well, I'm just better at get like I can walk in, I can give it to them. I don't have to worry about their feelings as much. I can just say like, hey, this is a thing that you need to work on and, you know, let's work on it together. And it's just a very sort of matter of fact thing. And those people tend to grow very quickly because they get more of it from me. And it's not because like I want to give them more feedback than other people. I'd love to give it to others in the same way. It's just they've just done such a good job of making it easy for me. Versus others where I know when I'm like, oh man, I have some feedback for them, but I got to think about how to deliver it. And I got to think about how they're going to take this. It's just easier for me to sometimes forget to actually do that work. It's like, oh, I have to, I have to digest this. I've come up with the perfect language. Um, and so they get less feedback. And so I think one of the most important things you can do as a CEO is just demonstrate like, hey, lay it on me. I want to hear it all. I want to yeah. hear the good. I want to hear the bad. And I'm going to work on it.